Well, welcome back and hello. I hope everyone is doing great. I can't believe that we are already on episode number five. This is awesome. I'm excited to talk with you today about the concept and ordinance of baptism. But I was asked, I don't know, about a week or so ago, if I was going to include the guitar in any of my podcasts. Now, some of you may have been in a seminary class that I taught once, or or maybe some of you out there have actually attended an EFY, where I've been known to bring a ukulele. I decided today that what we really needed was we needed to, to kick it primary style and go back in because of what a particular song teaches us. So I'm in the children's songbook. I'm going to attempt to sing for you the song entitled Baptism. Jesus came to John the Baptist in Judea long ago and was baptized by immersion in the river Jordan's flow to Jesus, when the Baptist questioned why, and to enter with my Father in the kingdom upon high. Now we know that we must also witness faith in Jesus' word, be baptized to show obedience as was Jesus Christ our Lord. I absolutely love this primary song because it really does teach us everything that we need to know about baptism. It teaches us that Jesus came to John the Baptist. Why John the Baptist? Because he was the one with authority to baptize. And how was he baptized? He was baptized by immersion. And then he tells us why. Why was the Savior baptized? To fulfill the law and to enter in with his father which then provides us with the pathway that we need to take, and that is to follow his example. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about baptism, and my hope is that we potentially look at it a little bit different than maybe we have in the past. In fact, as the primary president for over five years, I had the opportunity to attend monthly baptisms quite frequently. I'm confident many of you have had the opportunity to be at a baptism And one of the talks was on repentance. I actually had the opportunity to serve under two different bishops. And the second bishop, he said, I would love it if at baptisms of eight-year-olds, we didn't focus on the concept of repentance. I had to think a lot about that, but we're going to talk a little bit about that idea. But before we do, generally, we do focus in on repentance, and rightfully so when we think of baptism. If we look at Luke chapter 3, 
verses two through four. And just kind of set the stage here. We have John the Baptist. He's out preaching and he's baptizing. And this is right before Christ comes to him to be baptized. So Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he, meaning John, came to all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Esaias, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we learn very clearly, and this is partially why we teach it this way, that it's the preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of our sins. So baptism provides for us the remission of our sins. So if we drop down to verses six through eight, we find this. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Again, we see the emphasis on repentance prior to baptism. But the interesting thing that we have going on here in this scenario is that we have the Savior who did not have a need to repent. He was perfect. So I decided what I needed to do is dig a little bit deeper to better understand this topic. And I jumped into gospel topics on the LDS app and found the following. Baptism by immersion in the water by one having authority is the first saving ordinance of the gospel and is necessary for an individual to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and to receive eternal salvation. All who seek eternal life must follow the example of the Savior by being baptized and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, did you catch what's happening there inside of that synopsis of baptism? Let's look at it again, because it's worth looking at again. Baptism by immersion in the water by one having authority is, here we go, number one, the first saving ordinance of the gospel. And it's necessary for an individual to, to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and three, to receive eternal salvation. Now, if we look at baptism in that context, it suddenly changes for us and better explains why even the Savior needed to be baptized. He needed to be baptized because it is the first saving ordinance. And as a mortal existence, he needed that saving ordinance. He also needed to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Meridian of Time Saints. And in order for him to receive eternal salvation, he had to also be baptized. That's part of the confines of mortality. So if we look at it, then baptism really does more than just wipe away my sins, if you will. It also then saves me, is a symbol that I'm a member of God's church, and it opens the door to eternal life. Now, I love this concept because eternal life is like one of the coolest things. And and you're going to hear me talk about eternal life a ton as we unpack different pieces here of the Savior and what he does, because there's a difference between immortality and eternal life. Immortality is to live forever, but eternal life is life with and like God. 
Or in other words, we have the same powers and capabilities that God now has. That's what he has in store for us. So Jesus is our trusted guide. He understands as a mortal that he needed the saving ordinance to gain eternal life. The best way to to look at it is this. I am a proclaimed general authority super fan. Back in my like late 20s, I had the opportunity to be at the tabernacle and then again at the conference center for a couple of talks that were going on. And on one particular evening, I'm not going to kid you, I made it to the eighth row. And I was so excited to be on the eighth row. And then when the general authority walked in and the hush of the crowd and the stand and all the things and the talk was amazing. But what was the most amazing about the experience was what the spirit taught me that night. You see, as the general authorities that were there that evening, as they were leaving and waving to the crowd, I thought to myself, I want to go where they go. And an interesting thing happened as the spirit said to me, if you want to know what they know and go where they go, you have to be willing to do what they do. Now, I want to repeat that. If you want to know what they know and go where they go, you have to be willing to do what they do. I have pondered that lesson from the spirit now for 20 years as I have tried to better my life to figure out how to better follow the Savior. See, if we want to go where he is, we have to do what he did. With the first saving ordinance being to be baptized, to witness that we're willing to follow his path. So baptism, though, is also a covenant. Now, covenant defined just really briefly is God sets the terms and we as men and women, we accept those terms. God is the one that says, this is what it takes. And we say, "Mm, yep, amen, or nope, not doing it. So again, back in gospel topics under baptism, we find the following. Those who are baptized enter into a covenant with God to take upon themselves the name of Jesus Christ, keep his commandments and serve him to the end. Church members renew this covenant each time they partake of the sacrament. Now, again, did you catch the three things there? Those who are baptized enter into a covenant with God to one, take upon themselves the name of Jesus Christ. To be disciples, we're saying, yeah, I'm going to accept his word and I'm going to assist him in proclaiming that to others. Two, keep his commandments. And three, serve him to the end. So the big question for today really is, am I willing to follow the example of Christ? Am I willing to do what he did so that I can go where he is? In the most recent general conference, October 2022, Elder Uchtdorf put it this way. When you have important choices to make, Jesus Christ and his restored gospel are the best choice. When you have questions, Jesus Christ and his restored gospel are the best answers. When you feel weak, Jesus Christ is your strength. I'm going to say that again. When you have important choices to make, Jesus Christ and his restored gospel are the best choice. When you have questions, Jesus Christ and his restored gospel are the best answers. When you feel weak, Jesus Christ is your strength. I testify that this is true. And I absolutely love that the theme for young men and young women this year is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. 
He has that ability to strengthen us. But the question remains, will we follow him? I'm really grateful for an example that has left a very strong impression on on my mind. As a new missionary, sincerely, I had been like in the country of Spain, I think two weeks, maybe three. In the middle of the afternoon, my companion said, we're going to go visit somebody who's in the hospital. And I was like, great. So we go to the hospital. It was my first exposure to a hospital in Spain. We go into the hospital and the woman in the hospital bed is this elderly woman. And I kid you not, when she smiled at us, I think I counted three teeth. And so she affectionately became known to me as Three Tooth Maria. And Three Tooth Maria was an interesting person. As we sat there and talked with her, I'll be honest, I think I caught like every other word, maybe every fourth word. And when we left the hospital that day, my companion said to me, well, do you know what what we talked about? And I said, I have no idea. I got like baptism. The word son was in there. I think I might have heard granddaughter. I Seriously, can you just tell me what we talked about? And she kind of laughed and she said, well, yeah, Maria is not a member of the church. Her son, Juan, who's in our, our branch that we're working with, his daughter is getting baptized. One of the phrases they, they used all the time in Spain was, si Dios quiere, if God, if God wants it to happen, then she'll be at his baptism. I said, well, did you look at her and say, God wants you to be there? She laughed. She's all, no, but I like that. Well, we prayed for her and began praying for Maria that she would be able to attend her granddaughter's baptism. What I learned over the next week between that visit and her granddaughter's baptism was that Maria actually had been against the Church of Jesus Christ for 16 years and couldn't understand why her son had been baptized. God is amazing. And as he willed, she was there at the baptism of her granddaughter. But as God also would will, and with his sense of humor, he allowed some certain things to happen. The granddaughter was darling. Her name's Eva. And Eva had a big twirly dress to be baptized in. And anybody that has witnessed a baptism by immersion in a twirly dress knows of the trauma and drama that can happen with those bad boys as air kind of gets in them and creates a kind of pocket for them. And sure enough, Eva ended up getting baptized not once, not twice, but three times because of her dress that kept coming out, subsequently not fulfilling the immersion piece. Well, after the baptism, we approached Maria and we said, Maria, will you listen to the discussions? And she said, yes, I will. But I am not going to be baptized, especially if you have to go under the water three times. Well, we assured her that that was not the case, that most people aren't baptized three times. And that if she would decide to be baptized, we'd make sure that she did not have a fluffy dress. We commenced working. Well, the first time we walked out to to talk to her, and I say walked out because from our apartment to her apartment was a 25-minute walk. And then at her apartment building, I am not kidding when I say there were more than 100 stairs that we would have to go up to get to her apartment. You may be saying, well, why didn't you use the elevator? Because it was broken. And so we would get the opportunity to go up those 100 stairs. And I'm not going to kid you, as a new missionary, I complained about the 20-plus minute walk and the 100-plus stairs because we're going to go see this old woman who only has three teeth, who's been against the church for 16 years, and somehow we're supposed to change this? Clearly, I had not taken my own understanding of God can make the impossible possible. Well, we began teaching her. She accepted a copy of the Book of Mormon. Two days later, we walk back out there and ask her what she's read, and she'd already gotten into the heart of First Nephi, and she said, oh my gosh, Laman and Lemuel, they are so dumb. 
why do they complain about everything? And we're like, right? Well, we gave her another reading assignment, came back out a few days later, taught her the second discussion, and she continued to progress. In fact, we taught her all seven discussions. We invited her to be baptized, and every time we would invite her, she would say no. My companion was preparing to leave to go home as her mission was ending and was hoping that she would be able to see Maria baptized. I'll never forget the day that we walked out, again, that 25-minute walk, 100-plus stairs, and got into the bedroom, and Maria looked at us and said, girls, I've come up with the perfect idea. And we said, what's that? And she said, I'm going to sign a document. And we said, a document? And she said, yeah, that you, and she pointed to my companion, that you will be baptized for me. So you'll go in the water, be baptized for me. I can be a member of the church. Well, we kind of chuckled to ourselves and said, Maria, the church does do something like that. It's called baptisms for the dead. And in order for that to happen, you got to die first. So then we began trying to really unpack once and for all what the issue was. Well, come to find out Maria was afraid of the water. In fact, she was afraid so much so that for more than two decades, she had not submerged her face in water. We asked her how she would do her hair. And she said, well, I take a tub. And then my daughter washes my hair in the sink and I wash my face using a washcloth. I'm afraid that if I get baptized, I will die. We'll talk about an obstacle to try to overcome. My companion left to go home. I got a new companion. We walked out to see her the first time. My new companion complained like I had the first time. And we would do that for a couple of weeks. And finally, my companion said, I don't think she's going anywhere. I don't think we're going to be able to, to get this done. Because no matter how hard we tried to resolve her concern about the immersion part of baptism, it wasn't having it. We had interviews with our mission president, as we did monthly. And in my particular interview, my mission president said to me, I got a phone call yesterday. And I said, okay. And he said, no, it's a phone call that involves you. And I said, have I done something? And he said, no, but somebody's convinced you're going to. And I said, well, what's that president? And he said, Juan Guillen is convinced that you are the person to teach his mother and see her through to baptism. He asked me if I would leave you in this area until she's baptized. Well, at the time I was having some issues with my companion and I looked at him and I said, president, are you really going to leave me here? And he said, well, I have a question for you. What's more important, your personal feelings or the work of the Lord? That's a really hard question because let's be honest, personal feelings. And when you're not getting along really well with someone can be very difficult. But I opted to stay in for at least another month. At least twice a week, we would walk out there to see Maria. And on one particular occasion, as we were out there, my companion excused herself to use the restroom. And Maria looked at me and said, Herman Harrington, why are you on a mission? Didn't you have a life? Which that totally made me laugh. And I said, didn't I have a life? And she's like, yeah, I remember when you first got here, you couldn't even put a sentence together in Spanish. And now here we are four months later and you're having these great conversations with me. But why are you here? Didn't you have a life? And I said, well, actually, I, I did have a life. I was studying at the university. I actually was dating this great guy and then suddenly felt impressed that I needed to come serve a mission. And she said, well, why would you leave all of that? And I said, because I love Jesus Christ more than anything. And I really want to do what he wants me to do. And then I felt impressed to say, Maria, do you love Jesus Christ? She responded without hesitation, yes. I said, are you willing to do anything that he would want you to do? To which she responded, yes. And I said, will you be baptized Saturday at five? She responded, yes. 
my companion walked in and I looked at my companion and I said, please say the closing prayer. And she's like, what? And I'm all, just pray. So she said a closing prayer and we walked out and she's like, what just happened? And I said, she just committed to be baptized Saturday at five. Well, we ran all the way from Maria's apartment building to our son's apartment building, which was about a 15 minute jog. We ran up and told Juan what was happening and got everything prepared for the baptism. Well, Saturday came and to our sheer horror, there wasn't a single baptismal outfit that would fit my sweet three tooth grandma, Maria. She was as wide as she was tall. She was just this cute little square lady. And so one of the elders said, I, I know somebody in our branch who sews, give me the measurements. And I really held my hand up. I'm like, she's about this tall and she's about this wide and just gave him dim- like rough dimensions. And he left. Well, Maria showed up a little bit early and she touched the water in the baptismal font. And she said, it's too cold. We're in Spain. Hot water is a hot commodity. So we began boiling water on the stove to try to make this baptism happen. Well, about an hour later, I could not believe it. The elder shows up with a dress that was made in an hour for her that fit perfectly from my hand gesture measurements. Now talk about a miracle and God making impossible possible. We had Maria walk over to the baptismal font and touch the water. And she said, okay, I guess it's all right. Well, we gathered together and We had the baptismal service and naturally, like we discussed, there was a talk on repentance and then it was time to have Maria get baptized. Well, Maria had asked that everybody leave the room except for the witnesses, her daughter-in-law and myself and my companion, because remember, she was convinced that she was going to die. Well, her son escorted her into the baptismal font where we had placed a chair and Two elders, as the witnesses were dressed in white and in the baptismal font. So there are four people in the font, Maria sitting on the chair, her son there to baptize her, and the two elders as witnesses. What I didn't know is that her son had actually spoken with the elders before and they had a plan. Well, I was at the back of the font where the stairs are, all prepared with a towel to wrap her up when she came out. Juan raised his hand to the square and he said, Habiendo sido comisionado por Jesucristo, yo te bautizo en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, del Espíritu Santo. Amen. Baptizes her. Says a prayer. And then the most sacred, hilarious thing happened next. As Juan then takes the chair out from underneath his mother, literally grabbing it and throwing it back behind him in the font. His mother begins fighting. Remember, she's afraid that she's going to die. So he looks at the elders and says, now, at which time one elder grabs this elderly woman's feet, another elder grabs her head, and I watch as her son forcefully pushes her under the water at the center of her body, just shoving her down in. And then he says, yes. And then I watched as he lovingly scooped her up out of the water and she gasped for air and looked at me with that amazing grin. And then said, I'm alive. Well, he escorted her to the stairs at the font. I wrapped her up in a towel and we went into the restroom and I began to help her. An amazing thing happened. But to understand that amazing thing, we have to understand a couple things in the scriptures first. Matthew chapter three. If we look at verse number 17, we find something awesome that happens. See, as the Savior gets baptized, this happens. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because the Savior was baptized, Heavenly Father announces he is well pleased. 
in Mark chapter 1, verse number 11, we have an account again of the Savior being baptized. And we find this. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, slightly different wording, but the essential piece being well pleased. Then in Luke chapter 3, verse number 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope when I show up and see a loving Heavenly Father, He says, Candace, welcome home. I am well pleased with what you've done. Well, as Maria and I were there in the dressing room, I looked at her and I said, Maria, how do you feel? And she said, happier than I've ever felt. I knew in that moment that God was pleased with her. And I also knew that God was pleased with me, that I had done the work that he'd asked me to do and that she had done the work that she needed to do. Now, the really great thing about this is it doesn't have to be something really big to please God. He's pleased when we lift and help others. And just like your ringtone, we can feel of his love. It doesn't take a lot. It's as simple as opening a door. It's as simple as reading a book to a little brother or sister, helping somebody with their homework, extending a hand of kindness. So will you go? Will you go and do something this week, something that God would be pleased of and watch for a time when you know that he is, because I testify that just like your parents, when they're excited about things that you do, Heavenly Father is excited about good things that you do. So will you watch for a time this week when you feel that he is pleased with what you're doing? And then will you take time to write about it? Will you also write about the things that you do to please him? And then? Will you share it? Will you share it with your family? Will you share something with your class? Or will you share something with us? I know that God wants to be pleased with us and that we can make him pleased when we follow the Savior. May you live up to the covenant that you have made. And if you haven't made the baptismal covenant yet, may you investigate more to make that covenant. Because the covenant provides us with what? It's a saving ordinance. It is the act of joining Christ's church, and it's needed for us to gain eternal salvation. So this week, let's go and do and have God be pleased with us. Make it amazing. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Go and Do. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. If you didn't, it's all good. Please come and follow along with us on Instagram at Go and Do Podcast. Go and Do is written and hosted by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Tammy Fisher. Thanks for being here. And until we talk again, have a good time. Don't be a good time. See you soon.